When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's special teams week on the BWI Daily Edition. Lots of news about the third phase of football from uh, Penn State with several players opting both ways and news about a new special teams coordinator. The guy who's been covering it all for Blue White Illustrated, Nate Bauer, he's here with us. He's going to give us kicking information. He's going to give us long snapper news, punters, and one key return for 2022 on defense so nate we got a lot of ground to cover today how you how you doing how you feeling i'm good i take a little offense to you calling it the third phase it could be the first phase it no it can't it's not it's not ranked it's not ranked (laughs) yes it is it's equally important it's it's equally the same it's equally critical but they are not ranked the same i had this philosophical discussion with somebody one time about you know, what is the point of football? And I just think if you're a defensive-minded coach, you've got it backwards. Philosophically, the point is to have more points at the end of the game. The primary way to get points is on offense. So you should always start with an offensive mindset and from there, build your team. Because otherwise, and and special teams is important, but it's definitely third. Because if you're looking at your offense as a suspicious thing that you're not, you don't trust, you're going to lose games that you need points. And you're going to need points in some games because defense reacts to offense. So anyway, totally off topic to start. This feels like we're talking about something that we know fairly well. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's Penn State's 21 points per game this season. Exactly right. Exactly right. (laughs) Not great. Not great. But anyway, hey, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Still working on some stuff from the Outback Bowl. Uh, Today, my film study of the offense, which was exactly three players, because I'm taking a look at the young players, is up at bluewhiteillustrated.com. You have to be uh, a member of Blue White Illustrated to check out the in-depth breakdown of those uh, three players. And if you want to check out what uh, Nate has talked about when it comes to the kicking competition, he goes in-depth on it. A great article, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Once again, you have to be a member. The sign-up is the first link in the video description. So scroll down, click the link, one year of membership for just $1. I I keep I can be telling in people, the club. I can be in a secret club for $1. For a year. One dollar, Bob. One dollar. Okay, so let's start, though, before we get to the special team stuff, with a pretty important return for 2022. Penn State may still need to go into the portal, but they get P.J. Mustafer back for next season. He is, uh, what year of eligibility is he at at this point in his career, and what is the impact of him coming back in 22? This is his fifth year. Okay. So it's not a super sixth. It's a fifth because he played as a true freshman. So um, 
Yeah, I mean, and I I don't know if we talked about this the other day or not, but there's two fairly critical ingredients to what Penn State expected to have for the 2021 season coming back now between P.J. Mustafer and Adisa Isaac. And so to, to me, I think that when you are evaluating Penn State's defensive line and going into the offseason, you see all of these losses, right? You see Derek Tangelo. Um, you see uh, Arnold Ebichetti, right? And and Jesse Lucetta. And it's like, oh, boy, this is a cascade of, you know, guys that they're not going to have. But certainly I think that P.J. Mustafer's decision to come back changes the complexion of that a little bit. Now, certainly we have a, a long conversation to have about his effectiveness given the injury that he sustained and the fact that he missed – obviously the second half of the season, but if he can approximate or be as good as he was before he got hurt at Iowa, that's, that's a massive, massive ingredient to what Penn state wants to do defensively. Yeah. And still they don't have a lot of size. Fatorma Mulba got some play in the uh, Outback bowl. He had a couple of moments where he flashed as a run defender and a pass rusher, Uh, but they don't have a guy with PJ Mustafer's size, a defensive tackle, it's six foot two, six foot three, uh, three hundred and twenty pounds. My question is: the injury came in October, and we don't know what the injury is. I have gone a little too far in my speculation, probably for journalistic standards, but I feel like it's pretty reasonable to uh, postulate what the injury is. Does PJ have enough time? to get back to strength to be that guy in the middle of the defense. That's my biggest question in 22 is does, are we getting a version of what we saw from PJ Mustafer in 21? Is that a reasonable expectation? And when in the season might you see that? Yeah. So just because I think it's extremely relevant, I myself suffered an ACL tear and was back at the same high level of athletic competition that I was before getting hurt within nine months, maybe okay. felt sort of normal within seven months, I would say. Okay. But, but I, I, I mean, I'm kidding, obviously, but I do think that there's something to this mentally. It's a different story. Yeah. Like you doubt it. You, you, you don't, it, it is, it is very, very difficult to get over that hurdle of, oh man, I don't want this to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and that's, that's a huge, huge part of it. I'm not saying that these guys play the game with reckless abandon necessarily, but you do have to approach it that way a yeah. little bit. You you have to, you have to be able to not be concerned about every little pop and tweak and what have you that, that, inevitably comes through your career and from game to game, right? I mean, every game, something happens to these guys, every single game. Um, But you, you know, it it is, I think it's, it is reasonable to expect that by August or September, he should be close, right? Yeah. Close to, to that area. It's just a question of, okay, maybe you can walk around and skip and jump and, shuttle all all that stuff but can, can you, you take play? 600 pounds of force and hold up Correct. against the double team 
Correct. And that's uh, with that with that shearing back to back motion that causes ACL injury. See, we're we're experts in these things. Uh, the the thing- and we're allowed to talk about it because it's not written down. So yeah. <laughs> as, long, as long as it's not written, we can speculate as much as we want. It's fine. So this is this is another area where I think that the gap comes as well is that when you are rehabbing, and I said this about Noah Kane, Noah Kane has the best opportunity to be Noah Kane in 22 than he did in 21 because he was rehabbing all of last season. PJ yep. Mustafer is going to be rehabbing all of this offseason. He spent an entire year putting on 20 pounds of weight this offseason, becoming the guy he was, not just in weight, but in strength and mass and good strength and mass. Once you've gotten there, and if you're a defensive tackle and you like to eat and you have a natural tendency to gain weight, I'm not saying he's going to get overweight, but it's yep. going to be hard to maintain that strength, especially in the lower body, which is how you play football at that position. Like upper yep. body strength is important, but you make your money, no pun intended, plus, plus some pun intended on the college level, of being strong from the, the, the waist down. That's yep. my biggest question is, okay, so he can play, in September, October, you might not see PJ Mustafer, the guy we saw this year, until 12 months, uh, 13 yep. months. And that's a natural progression, but that means mid October. So I think Penn State needs to have other options outside of Mustafer at the de- defensive tackle position because it's not a guarantee that he's going to be a miracle of health like uh, Adrian Peterson was back in the day when he played the same season he tore his ACL. And was not the same player when he played. It was a miracle, but it wasn't Adrian Peterson. Yeah. No, and and certainly I think that the Outback Bowl was a preview of that to a certain extent based on the fact that Tangelo pieced out, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he quit. Yeah. He's not playing anymore. So the fact that he was gone forced the issue a little bit, right? Uh, I mean, Vanover, I think, Got some reps there at defensive tackle. He was at end. He was at end. Yeah. Okay. But, um, you know, certainly they have, they have some options there. They have some guys in those younger classes who, you know, I don't think there's any question that they expect them to continue to develop and to compete. It's just a question of, all right, do you want to bank everything on that or, having a guy like PJ come back who even at less than hundred percent, I mean, we see this all the time and we talk about it all the time, but there are times where 80% senior is a better option than a hundred percent guy who doesn't quite know how to make it all work at that level. Uh, How does this is the other factor that I think might involve some of the rotation or some of the depth along the defensive line is how does Manny Diaz's defense differ from Brent Pry? Are right. they going to be m- more penetrating at the defensive tackle? Are they going to run? Not that anyone really runs two, three techniques out there. Typically, you always have one guy that is the nose tackle. But if you're being more aggressive than normal, does that mean you ha- you can get away with having a-, a guy that's 300 pounds and another guy that's 310? You know what I mean? Right. You don't have right, that right. true guy like Mustafer was this year for Penn State to really anchor on those situations. So how Manny Diaz handles that, I think, is also going to be interesting because they they did do that at Miami it was very aggressive along the defensive line, not just on the edges. So from PJ's perspective is the next thing. 
He's coming back for one more season. Do you think that he can get out of it what he wants, which is enough positive plays to be drafted in the NFL? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would think so. Certainly, I think it puts him in a better spot than going this spring, right? The, then uh, he wouldn't be able to participate, pretty obviously, in the combine, in any of those aspects, even though he was very likely, and you can correct me on this, but he would have been a, a combine invite. Should I, have I think, been. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, he 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 had enough on film. He had done enough through his career. Um, you know, he, I don't think that last year was his best performance, right? I, I, I don't think that like the 2020 season was as yeah. great as he probably wanted it to be, but certainly the first five games of 2021 were. were. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think there's any question about that, that James Franklin and the staff and, and Penn State got everything and more out of PJ. First of all, and this goes without saying at this point, but like, he's just a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> like like yep. he does everything right. All of the conversation about this guy is how wonderful he is. <laughs> he's yeah. just, he's and we've, so we've nice. Talked, we've talked to him enough. I love talking to PJ because he'll give you stuff. I mean, he, he gives you some coach answers, but, like, you can have a conversation with him. He He's always attentive. Like, yeah, he's a great guy to talk to. But he's he's he's, no matter what he says, it's always presented in a, friendly like yep. you just can't help but leave it thinking oh man what a nice guy yep <laughs> what, a, I, what a great I totally agree what a great young man upstanding um <laughs> you know so so to have that element in the locker room i, I think that's a big deal i think yeah. those are the kinds of things that coaches really appreciate and that programs really appreciate is is having that influence look uh <laughs> beating dead horse time but sean clifford is in that same vein, right? And so you had two guys get hurt this season. Obviously, Sean was able to come back, but you, you had a couple of guys uh, that were two of your seven captains or two of your six captains missed some or all of right the rest of the season based on that Iowa game. Yeah. So to to have their influence back for a second senior season, really for both of them. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that it helps what what Penn State does. And as you were saying to to PJ's point, he he needs this time, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, where yep. would where would you rather where would you rather work out and go through rehabilitation? A place where everything is taken care of, every right? I mean, it's yeah. from top to bottom. I mean, you got the weight, like all the medical, all of that stuff is all there for you and can be catered to you. They already know you. You already know the guys. And then it yep. gives you another chance to, to go out and show your stuff next season. Yeah, and I think you make a good point, too, about delaying the time, the testing for the combine. And and to refresh people's memory, if you didn't see when we talked about this early in the season, P.J. Mustafer was leading the nation, I think, in tackles, or was top five, and was leading the nation in stops from defensive tackles, according to PFF, when he yep. was injured. So he was having a very productive season. It wasn't perfect. There were some things on tape that, you know, I think he was progressing and getting better at at that two-eye position, that nose tackle sort of position. But he was developing into that guy and still being active in the run game. I don't know he's going to be doing all of that next season, but he will be getting better and healthier to test in the offseason. So I think that's a really important thing for him. And again, like you said, I'm rooting for that for the person. 
that he so, has the best possible opportunity going to the NFL to present himself in the best possible light. And what he can do for Penn State in the intermediate, I think, is good for both sides. So it is the one guy of these six-year players that is coming back or these extra eligibility guys that I think is, is a positive for both sides, which obviously take, take, leads to the idea that there's some that I don't think are. Aren't so great. Yeah. Take, take me back to that two-eye real quick. Uh, yeah, that was a change this season, right? That he had shift. He was at three and shifted over based yeah. on. So Shelton. the person, yeah. So the personnel in 2020 dictated that he was playing. Uh, I wouldn't say out of position because I think his, his talent dictated early on in his career that he could do either, but he was not playing as much of the nose tackle in 2020 because uh, Antonio Shelton really didn't have the ability to play three technique. So in this season, he changed his body type. He added more weight back on to be a true nose tackle type in a four down front. So you're playing inside shade of the guard, closer to the center. But in in this sort of formation, typically, instead of being head up or outside, your inside is the primary run defender absorbing all of those double teams and forcing the action there. And he, I think, was excelling at that role as he was getting used to you know, taking on double teams on a regular basis. Early in the season, he was getting washed out by teams like Wisconsin. And he said to us one week, I remember he said, I, I was talking to Deion Barnes and talking to um, uh, John Scott Jr. We had an honest conversation, things I needed to get better at. And I and he worked on that, and you could see the evidence of it as the season went on, and, you know, then he got injured. So I think though all of those things he needs to get back to, but it's not going to, I don't think it's going to be in the first month, first half of the season. Do you do you see the position that he plays as being a, a especially challenging or especially an inhibitor to being at full strength? Right? Like if he was yeah. I, I don't know, it's stupid, but like if he was if he was a receiver, right? Yeah. Um maybe it would be a little bit easier, maybe there would be a little bit less laterally and physic like in terms of the force yeah. being applied toward him. I, it's, I don't know. It's like, a I, it's a tough thing because football is so multidirectional. There really isn't a position other than quarterback where you can lose an ACL and come back and play reasonably well because as a receiver, you need to be able to plant and turn and cut with extreme force. That burst comes from the ability to transition your mass and accelerate quickly, which you need all your ligaments in your knee to do. Uh, straight line speed, yes. So you can be a receiver if you can run in a straight line and beat everybody that way and be kind of slowed from your developmental process. But yeah, when you're absorbing... When you're absorbing impact from every direction plus in front of you, it's very hard. So there are certain positions maybe I, – I, I struggle to find one that I could think of. Linebacker, you need to be able to turn and run in every direction. Yes, Corner, yep. safety. I guess if you – again, if you were a nose tackle or, or a five-technique defensive end where you are reading in front of you and you're taking on guys head-on and you just plant and you don't get upfield, maybe you could do that. But any other position, you need to be fully mobile to be good and excel in football. My my doctor told me that based on my sedentary lifestyle, <laughs> I didn't need an ACL. <laughs> That's probably accurate. But you wanted to play golf and tennis. So if you want to have right. a full lifestyle, and again, with, with, with the tennis, the slicing, you got to have that knee mobility. 
You got to be able to see. This is the great thing about football is if you're paying attention and you love it like this, you're learning about medical stuff. You're learning about physics. You're learning about strength and conditioning, football tactics. You get everything in football. I just love it. It's a great game. It really great, is. Other than the head stuff, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that is the that is the problem. Um, let's talk about special teams. Let's. <laughs> let's Those guys don't get hurt. They have no head head injuries. Typically, they don't. Uh, so Penn State loses Jordan Stout. They lose their special teams coordinator Joe Lorg. He makes that uh, infamous lateral move back home to where he was from from Oregon, going there as the special teams coordinator. But James Franklin. He was proactive in this, and his new uh, offense, his new special teams coordinator, was announced. I think the same day or the day after. So tell us about Stacy Collins and what Penn State got in that transaction. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, so so day after, um, you know, obviously uh, Lorig was announced on, I think, Monday afternoon. And then by yesterday, Tuesday afternoon, um, Stacey Collins was in place. So... He's a guy who spent the 2021 season at Boise State. I mean, this is, first of all, right in your wheelhouse, dude. Uh, Utah State before Boise State, right? Like, <laughs> was out there that, for a week. <laughs> not quite West Coast, but in that, what, what do we call that section of Mountain America? Mountain West. Mountain, yeah, the Mountain West, right? He's a Mountain West guy. Yeah. Um, he's, he, but coincidentally and interestingly, also a graduate like Joe Lorig of Western Oregon. Um, and just to kind of have some intertwining and overlapping paths. But the key for Penn State being he's a special teams coordinator. That's what he has done. He's done it in the past. He's he's an interesting guy. I, yeah. I don't know if you've seen him, but he's big. He's a big dude who also coaches some edge rushers. I believe he has that on his his uh, repertoire. Yeah. It's actually really interesting. He's got a lot he, of different former uh, coaching positions, right? And and now he's being tabbed as Penn State's Nichols coach as well. <laughs> okay. So All right. You didn't have to necessarily play the position to be able to instruct it. So yeah. Um, no, but he's it, it, it's it's funny. I I did you know just obviously you 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 learn the news and you try to get a grasp on, you know, who these players, these, uh, these coaches are, these players are, what have you, people that come into the program. And I was able to catch some video of him coaching at Boise. And okay. it's interesting. He, he, he is, as my late grandmother would say, a pistol. Like <laughs> dude is fired up and funny and, I, I don't know. Just he, he, he does very much appear to be uh, a, a, a character and the type of person that people gravitate towards, right? Especially players. Players yeah. love that type. It he's hard nosed, but also is not unapproachable. He's he's going to have fun while he does it. So is, is it this also is he also the outside linebackers coach? Is that part of his responsibility? Because think here, so. here's here's my point. This the the outside linebacker. And the nickel 
are kind of the same thing. It's just what body you're putting in the slot. So if that, if to help you out, if you're wondering why he's the nickel coach, and this is kind of just, okay, so you're the guy that's responsible for cleaning up any bubble screens or any of that stuff and, and playing in that area. So it's just about the, the personnel and doing that particular job. At least that's how I would read it after watching gobs and gobs of take on the Outback Bowl and watching Arkansas move people around the formation to get that particular matchup. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he, he is the special teams coordinator, outside linebacker and okay. Nichols coach. Okay. Yes, that is officially uh, his, his wheelhouse. Yeah. So, so if you're and, thinking and, he's going to be doing uh, coverage schemes and stuff, I think that's still going to be to the secondary coaches and the safeties and everything like that. This is much more of the, how you're playing that particular spot. Yeah, and, and uh, something that we've spoken about previously, but something that I think is important to what Penn State does and what James Franklin prioritizes is he, he's all in on special teams. Like, he yeah. he gets it. He he has implemented systems in the past through his career. He's 24 years in college coaching. So uh, brings all of those things to the table for Penn State. And certainly there's nothing... There's no real red flags, right? Like, I mean, he yeah. he had, I think, the the standout stat of everything from Tuesday about last season for him is they had seven blocked kicks. Yeah, wow, at, at Boise, so three, I believe, on field goals and maybe four punts or vice versa. But still, bring bring something to the table there. Do you think this represents I know I'm I'm always trying to see evidence of these things. Does this represent the the university's commitment to making sure Penn State doesn't lose any ground in these situations with hires and stuff? This seems like a really quality hire that Penn State was able to go do because of that new contract extension for James Franklin and the promises in it. Is that a fair assessment or is this still kind of just par for the course? Yeah, no, I think I think that's I think that's fair. Certainly, I think that that the way that James Franklin framed the issue at the Outback Bowl, I don't know if you saw his response when he was asked about the yeah. possibility of Lorig leaving, but I think that Franklin framed it as a you know really a thing that they wanted to fight to to keep Lorig right. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, he didn't think that it was a foregone conclusion at that point that that Lorg would take that job. But if you're going to have a guy move for a lateral position, it, you know, there's not a whole lot that you can do about a guy moving 200 miles from where he grew up. Right. Right. Like, I mean, right. There are other factors outside of just money. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, if you, if you have to lose a guy to a lateral position at, at a similarly, uh, you know, uh, a similarly statured football program, Oregon, Penn State, right? Yeah. I mean, talking about apples to apples a little bit, then, you know, that just kind of is what it is. But to be able to then turn that around and, and go take a guy who has some accomplishments, he has some achievement, he's been in the game, he's been around. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that is an indicator for sure. You're listening to the BWI Daily Edition. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. He's Nate Bauer. He wrote a very good article about how you might. Uh, replace Jordan Stout, who did everything for Penn State. Kickoff, field goal, punt. Yeah. I think no he was sweat. also filling up the, the water jugs at halftime, and he was uh, apparently also growing some rather flowing locks. So I've been sure. asking this the last two days. Between him and Blake Gillikin, there is a tradition of great flow at the punter position. Who might fill in 
at that particular position of the hair game, and will it be the punter or the kicker? Barney Amore transfer from Fordham ahead of the 2021 season, right? Like a yeah. gra- graduate transfer, three three years at Fordham, then one at Penn State. He can come back for another at Penn State if he so chooses. He's got some hair. Okay, good. He's got some hair. Good. But also, make sure we have that conversation throughout the season. For the record, also could be Penn State's starting punter next season. Um, All right. I, certainly, I think that that the the kid that Penn State brought in, I'm going to mess his last name up, Alex Bacchetta. Did you do any film review on him? I don't know anything about I, I've told you this before. You probably know more about special teams because it's much closer to golf than football. Uh, so when you, it comes to special teams abilities and things like that. No, I I don't necessarily have any particular insight on kicking other than does he have a strong leg and does he hit it often? Cole's kicking says he's number one in the country as All right. a punter in the class of 2022. And they seem to have a real interest in punting. So certainly if you're going to take somebody's word for it, they would seem to be a, a pretty good organization to do that. So yeah. No, he's he he comes in and I think arrives with some some fairly high expectations from Penn State, but I do think I do think Amore is uh, kind of an interesting conversation only because he the way that he arrived at Penn State, it it he he's able to take advantage of the bonus year for sure, mm-hmm. um, and it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that he would have left to spend one season behind stout and then move on right right? he he wasn't announced on senior day um you know so so he could be part of that conversation there a punter but to 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 stout and his significant like (laughs) i know we downplayed it at the start of the show but it's a big deal jordan jordan stout and his influence on games this season was a massive massive deal for penn state and what penn state likes to do so you know they're going to have to figure something out in terms of a reliable, consistent presence back there because that that was Stout's deal. 85%, I think, of his kickoffs were touchbacks. Yeah. Uh, you know, he put half of his overall punts in the, inside the 20, down inside the 20. Like, that's... Yeah. That's massive. That's a, that's a big deal. That helps your defense if... And... and, and... I didn't want to correct you the other day. You said it's incalculable how important special teams and punting is there. It's actually pretty evident if you calculable. give calculable, <laughs> if you give your defense a 90 yard field, the majority yep. of the time they're not giving up points because you're saying that the offense has to go 90 yards. Most of them don't, especially in college football. So yeah, that's a huge edge in the analytics game is pinning guys deep. So having a good punter, that's going to be a thing. Now, James Franklin talked about this throughout the year of they didn't really want to put everything on Jordan's plate, but he won all of the jobs. So are, do you think we'll go back to seeing more of what we saw previously of a division of labor on special teams? For sure. Uh, I don't have really any doubt about that. Yeah. I think that Stout is a rarity in terms of what his talent is. I mean, I think certainly Penn State fans can recognize, um, you know, as a punter for sure, as a kickoff specialist for sure, there there was a little room 
to, you know, for something to be desired in his field goal kicking this past season, handling that job completely. Yeah. But also James Franklin and Penn state realize that's probably not the way that you want to go. Yeah. Right there. There is a rep count for kickers, for, for punters, kickers, kickoffs, that kind of stuff. If you can divvy that up and feel comfortable about what you have and not put it all on one guy's plate, then that's preferable for sure. And so I, I, I don't see necessarily in Jake Pinniger who is returning, um, Sanders, Sahidek, right. And yep. Bacchetta, I don't, yes, there's going to be some competition there, but there's also potentially some possibility to split those things up. So at the kicking position, those are the guys, do you think that it's, it's, uh, Pinniger's job to lose. I know the guys behind him are very high thought of, not just uh, Bichetta, but also Sahedic is it was a guy that was also highly rated as a kicker coming out of high school. So is that going to be a competition you're interested in, or do you think there's going to be some sort of split there? No, I, I, I'm very interested. I'm very interested. I mean, I look, uh, Pinniger had a very, very good 2019 season. He didn't have a great freshman year in 2018 yeah. and he didn't have a great 2020 and then obviously he was uh, absent not not able to participate at the beginning of this season it came around and was able to kick a couple of field goals there in the outback bowl right like at least his participation in the outback bowl acts as something of a signal as yeah. to who they felt most comfortable with right now today but you know look they they make it pretty black and white and clear to see that they just want to put whoever wins the job in practice to to be the guy that's out there on the field right like it's yeah. it's there there isn't a whole lot of judgment that you need to have based on the fact that every kick is tracked and so when it comes to field goal kicking if one guy makes 89% of his tries in practice and the other guy makes 83, you know who your guy is. Yeah. You, know, you know who you want there. So yep. I, I, certainly I think that that's going to be something to watch in spring practice and moving forward through the summer. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for an improvement there. Cause as you pointed out, Jordan Stout, yep. I think was you didn't feel confident when he walked onto the field as a kicker because of all the things that were on his plate and probably kicking wasn't his biggest strength. I think if it was his no. biggest strength, that would have been where he was before he was a punter that was kicking. So having a guy out there with, you know, the guys that we've just mentioned, that might be an opportunity for improvement again on special teams under Stacey Collins in his first year. And some good news for Penn State. Do you know who Chris Stoll is? Because if you don't, he's done his job. Long snapper coming back. And, and uh, you know, we joked a little well, bit about it um, earlier. But that's the point. You probably haven't noticed him because he's been ultra consistent as a long snapper. How important, like, I, I know I just set it up this way, but here's your softball question, Nate. How important is the long snapper? So important. So important. You know, what's, what's, uh, what struck me about Jordan Stout is he never had, and I, I think that this is right, and if I'm wrong, don't correct me. I don't think he ever had a kick blocked. Do, do you remember like a, a pump block? Do you remember? I don't suggest. I don't remember me, one. No. 
I, I don't know when we're on the spot, but I looked at it and it yeah. didn't say in the stat. The stats can be wrong sometimes on these websites. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, in the block column, it was zeros. And so that yes speaks to Jordan Stout in terms of kick height and getting the, the punt off quickly, but it also speaks to the consistency yeah. of the snap, right? It, I mean, right place, and executed it well, and so yeah. I mean, the fact that the fact that he isn't a necessarily a well-known name, but he is a guy who earned a scholarship this past season. He was, yeah. you know, one of those um, social media reveals. Yeah, <laughs> right. ah, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> so so clearly, they thought highly enough of him then to to give him that opportunity and then obviously Penn State invited him to come back right like yep these are situations where yes every 2020 participant has a bonus season of eligibility but that doesn't mean it's going to be at Penn State yep yep also it's not like at the long snapper position once you found a guy that can do it consistently you're not like oh you know we can upgrade our long snapper so that he can tackle better like he's got one job and once he becomes very proficient at that you're not looking it's not like a linebacker where then it's like okay well we've got a guy now that can is better in coverage and maybe we want to find a way to incorporate that we want that strength on our defense and we want this other guy to move on thank you for your service blah 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 it's like when you find a long snapper if he had six extra years of eligibility, they'd give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. and uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned the uh, – the, I think he does have a tackle. Probably. His, like, yeah, yeah. He's, he, uh, yeah, he's got a few. So, anyway, yeah. no, I, 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 I think that when you're looking at the, the season ahead, reducing the number of headaches and things that you have to figure out as possible is a good thing. Right. Yep. Like that's that helps the program. And so Stoll is definitely one of those ingredients for next year. One last thing before we get out of here this week, I, I went I worked out for the first time since the beginning of football season, really. And uh, I missed four things announced on Twitter about different oh, no. things we talked about today. The day before I was watching a, a, something with my wife on TV, I looked down, I had missed Rasheed Walker and all that news as it had, like, this is just the week for my head to be on a swivel and spinning around missing a bunch of stuff, so if you could help me out, is there anything on the horizon coming next? Is there anything you have your eye out for? Is there anything at all coming the end of the week? Because this seems like a week of announcements for Penn State. Well, like I said, Barney Amore has not indicated which direction he will go yet um drew hartlob is another one who listen has not Nate, yet listen i i'm happy that we did the last two shows on special teams i am out the tank is empty when it comes to interesting insights into special teams Please. drew hartlob <laughs> drew hartlob is a stud at uh what do they call that the gunner, gunner position yeah, yeah. I, Yep. AJ Litton is going to be the next guy. I mean, as long as it holds up, AJ Litton was really good at that year this year too. So, oh my gosh, we have more. We could do another show on special teams. What am I kidding? (laughs) Listen, we got nothing but time between now and September, whatever. Let's run through it. Yeah. 
Well, that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening at this point and the outro music is playing, you you liked this, so give it a like. Also, follow us on YouTube. Hit the notification button so you don't miss any breaking news. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you tomorrow.